declaration. If you have your Bible or your electronic device, lift it above your head and somebody shout, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I am a believer and not a doubter, a doer and not just a hearer. And my life, and my life, one more time, and my life is the better after hearing, obeying, and applying a word from the Lord. Um, familiar text, I just want to lift a couple of thoughts out of it, um, and then we'll come back to it later. Uh, Genesis 37 and 5, the Bible declares one night Joseph had a dream. Everybody shout, he had a dream. The Bible declares that Joseph had a dream, and when he told his brothers about it, they hated him the more. Listen to this dream, he said. We were out in the field tying up bundles of grain. Suddenly, my bundle stood up, and your bundles all gathered around and bowed low before mine. His brothers responded, so you think you will be our king, do you? Do you actually think you will reign over us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream and the way he talked about them. Nine declares, soon Joseph had another dream and again told his brothers about it. Listen, I have had another dream, he said, the sun, moon, and 11 stars, all y'all, <laughs> bowed low before me. Ten declares, this time he told the dream to his father as well and to his brothers, but his father scolded him. What kind of dream is that? He asked, will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow to the ground before you? But while his brothers were jealous of Joseph, his father wondered what the dreams meant. So, Father, I want to thank you once again for this opportunity, God, to minister the Word of God to the people of God. Help me, Greg McGee, to get completely out of the way. I'm hiding myself now behind the cross that men may not see. Give honor and glory to Greg. All glory, all honor goes to you, Jesus. Be glorified in this moment. And it is in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody says... Let's start here. Um, I want to highlight a very encouraging scripture that I've quoted over the years many, many times as I have pursued the will of God and highlighted things in my spirit that I wanted to do for the Lord. And Psalms 37 and 4, the Bible declares, Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Now, this is powerful. The Bible declares that he will give you the desires of, everybody shout, of my heart, of my heart. So this is what I want you to do. If you're taking notes, I want you to jot this simple thought down. The desires that God wants to fulfill are cravings he has already birthed within us. Yeah, because I've actually taken Psalms 37 and 4 out of context, and whatever wild dream came to my imagination, I'm like, I'm just doing it because God go give me the desires of my heart. When the reality is the desires that he's talking about are the desires that he's already birthed on the inside of you. And by putting those desires in you, when they come to the forefront of your mind, he says, if you will take pleasure in me, if you will delight in me, I'll manifest those desires in your, in your life. Proof text that, Pastor McGee, Galatians 5.17, the Bible declares... The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us what, y'all? What does the Spirit give us? It gives us desire. So the Holy Spirit that resides on the inside of the believer, he produces cravings and desires. Romans 8 and 5, the Bible declares, those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires, but those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. 
So let, 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 me just, let me just highlight. So when it comes to this 17 acres that we're negotiating right now, we're, we're, we're actually under contract. Everybody shout, it's already ours. It's already ours. This was, this was a desire, watch this, that I thought was mine. But God has confirmed that it just wasn't your desire. It was my desire that I gave you, and you acting out on my desire. And I'm excited because if I just look at the text, if I just look at Psalms 37 and 4, and I say he'll give me the desires of my heart, ah, uh, yes and no. <laughs> because what we've done is we've taken, we, we've eisegeted Psalms 37 and 4, and we've extrapolated it many times out of its context. Some of us look at Psalms 37. Matter of fact, some of y'all are deflated right now because you've, you've rested a prayer on Psalms 37 and 4 and wondered why you didn't receive it. You said, this is what I want, God, and your word declares you'll give me the desires of my heart. Why am, not, why am I not walking in what it is that you said I could have? Understand, he gives you the desires of your heart because he has already given you the desires in his heart. But John 15, 7 says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. So, so uh, how, how does this, everybody shout, how does it work? I, I want to I show you, I want to show you. I want to look at the whole text, um, first couple of verses of Psalms 37 uh, and, and 3 and 4, 5, 6 and 7. He says in Psalms 37 and 3, stay with me, dwell in the land and enjoy safe pastures. How many know that's God's will for your life? He wants you to dwell in the land and enjoy safe passages. Is that right? But the A part of that verse says, trust in the Lord and do good. If you trust first, then you'll be able to dwell in the land and enjoy safe pastures. Psalms 37 4 says he'll give you the desires of your heart. The A part of that says, but you got to delight and take pleasure in him. Verse 5 says, he will do this. Now, that's my favorite verse in the whole Bible. He will, everybody shout, he going to do it. Psalms 37, 5 says, he will do this, this thing that he's put on the inside of your heart. But the first part of that verse says, you got to first what, y'all? Commit your way to the Lord and trust him. So I'm trying to figure out what it is that you're trying to say, God, because I got this dream. I got this vision. I got this thing that I believe that you birthed in my heart. But the reality is there have been dreams in the past that I believe that you birthed, but it didn't come to pass. So how do I get from information in my head to manifestation where I can see it, I can feel it? God's been ministering to me concerning faith all over again. Everybody shout, you got to believe it. Everybody shout it again. you got to believe it. You, you, you've got to operate in the principles of faith. Now, there's a couple of things that I want to highlight today that oftentimes we seem to let slip when it comes to faith. Because that's what this writer is, is saying. He's using synonymous terms and phrases concerning faith. Commit your way. Trust in the Lord. Delight yourself. All of that means is to simply have faith in God. Are y'all with me? I want to show you this in the book of Mark, chapter number 11, verses number 12. The Bible declares the next day as they were leaving Bethany, Jesus was hungry. Seeing in the distance a fig tree and leaf, he went to find out if it had any fruit. When he reached it, he found nothing but leaves because it was not the season for figs. 14 declares, then he said to the tree, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard him say it. So Jesus actually curses the fig tree. His disciples hear him. On their way back from the temple, verses number 20 declares, in the morning as they went along, they saw the fig tree withered from the roots. 
I'm, I'm not talking about just the leaves just falling off, no fruit. This bad boy, in a matter of 24, less than 24 hours, it has withered from the root. It is, it is dead. Peter remembered and said to Jesus, Rabbi, look, the fig tree you cursed has withered. You know what's happening in verse number 21? Desire is being birthed on the inside of Peter. Because Peter's like, look, by this time I've already walked on water. I've already cast out demons. Come on. I've already laid hands on the sick and seen them recover. You mean to tell me that I can do this too? Jesus responds to him, verse number 22, when he says, have faith, everybody shall have faith. Now, now that's, that's, a discouraging, that's a discouraging word to me because, you, what do you mean just have faith? I've been believing. And some of y'all in here right now, you've been believing. And after been believing, been trusting, been relying on God, it seems like this thing just will not come to pass. So this is what Jesus is going to do this time. He's going he's gonna to define parameters of what it means to have faith and to hold on to your faith. Because there are some of you all, you started out well believing, but something hindered you along the way. So he's going to tell them, verse number two, everybody shall have faith in God. Now watch how he defines the parameters of faith. He says, have faith in God. Truly I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea, and does not doubt in their heart, there it is, but believes mm, that what they say will happen, it will be done for them. He says, if you have this type of faith, come on somebody, and don't doubt in your heart, you'll be able to speak to a mountain, command the mountain to throw itself in the sea, and it shall come to pass. Now, this particular text is not about mountains, but it's about impossible situations. How many of y'all right now are facing some impossible situations? I'm, I'm talking about, watch this, watch this. A, a check just can't fix this right here. Some of y'all say a check can fix this. <laughs> Now, Pastor, you're on there because there's some checks that can fix what I'm going through right now. But, but for some of us, checks can't fix this. I need the hand of God. Come on, somebody, on this situation. So Jesus is saying concerning these impossible situations, if you will have faith, and watch this, no doubt in your heart. Some of y'all, some of y'all tripping. You, you, you remember the story of the man who had the uh, son that, that had the seizures and kept throwing himself in the fire, and, and, and Jesus said, have faith, but he said, the man says, I do have faith. I do believe, but help my unbelief. In essence, he says, I believe you, but it's still some doubt in my heart. And that state disqualifies this man for the miracle. And Jesus is saying, there's some powerful things that I have in store for you, but, but you, 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 won't get, you won't get this what I have in store for you, walking on crippled faith, half-hearted faith. You're going to have to come to a place in your life where you have faith and everybody shout, no doubt. So how do I get there, man? How do I get to that place where truly I got faith that God's going God's to restore, God's going to heal, God's going to deliver, and there's absolutely no, everybody shout, no doubt. No doubt in my heart. He gives them the recipe. Verse number 24. He says, therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. Believe that you have received it and it will be yours. I understand what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying, I want you to come to a point in your relationship with me that you believe me with no sense realm evidence. 
Some of you guys can believe God great as long as the doctor is talking in faith. Some of y'all can believe God great as long as they're talking about giving you a promotion. Talk about the possibility of getting a new job. Some of y'all, some of y'all can believe God great if your wife is spouse, your spouse, not wife, your spouse. <laughs> Try to keep that thing general. When, when, you, when your spouse acting right. But let her, let, let them. <laughs> let them start tripping a little bit. Because, you know, they're they acting right. And you're like, God, I'm, I'm in this, Lord. I meant my vows to death. Do us part. I'm going to hang in there. And then an hour later, well, Lord, you sure? <laughs> It's easy to have faith when things are going great. But Jesus says, the type of faith that I want you to have. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, the type of faith God wants you to have. Watch this, watch this. It's the type of faith that believes him without any external evidence. Now, I want to show you, I want to show. Now, she said, now, who, who said that? Who said that? Okay, my, my sister said that that's crazy faith. But for the believer, it should be average faith. I mean, this should be how we live our lives every single day. I want to, I want to, so, so my pops, my pops several years ago diagnosed with cancer, right? And it, it sent our whole family in an uproar. I'm talking about it was just, uh, I love my daddy. I don't want to lose my daddy. So we seeking out the best treatment calling all over the places to see where can we take my dad to get a second opinion, where can we take him to get treatment, so forth and so on. We wound up taking him to MD Anderson in Houston. And in a 5 a.m. prayer, six months to the day he was, he was uh, a cleared cancer-free, he spoke to me, he said, God told me he was going to heal me of cancer. That's what he said. God, oh my God, God told me he was going to heal me of cancer. He was sitting somewhere around here, 5 a.m. prayer. So six months later, he's going to treatment, doing his therapy, everything is everything. At the end of six months, the doctor comes to him and she says, good news, Mr. McGee, you are cancer free. When she said that, I'm, my, my heart just lifted. You see how Pop's sitting right now? That's how he was sitting on the bed, just all nonchalant. I'm like, what's wrong with you? you? Shouldn't you be excited? You cancer-free. So I'm like, Pop, hey, man, we got to ring the bell. We got to ring the bell. The doctor was like, don't you guys want to ring the bell? Want to ring the bell? I'm like, Pop, we got to ring that bell, man, because when you get that clear, you go ring the bell. So we walking out the bell right there. I said, Pop, come on, let's ring the bell, man, so everybody can celebrate. Pop said, I don't need that bell. <laughs> Let me tell you why Pop didn't ring the bell that day, because he rung the bell this day. With no sense rim evidence, cancer still in my body, but because God said it, I'm cancer free today. So, so let, let, me, let me show you, let me show you, let me show you how this thing works. Let me show you how this thing works. Um, God is not limited to time. He is not limited to time. So, so what God does when you pray, God drops it in a future day. 
I need, you to, I need you to see this. When you pray, God drops it in a future day. Because he's not limited to time, whenever he drops it in a future day, in his mind, I dropped it in your life. All I'm waiting on you is to wake up and say good morning to receive it. Come on, some in the natural. But what I want you to do is look at it the way I looked at it. I already dropped it in your Tuesday, although it's Sunday. But I need you to rejoice like you already got it because in my mind, I've already given it to you. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, your blessing is in a day. It's in a day. Your healing is in a day. Your miracle is in a day. Your financial breakthrough is already in a day. Are you going to wait to rejoice when the day comes? Or are you going to go ahead and receive it right now? So I want to show you this. This is crazy. My God, John chapter number 20, verse number 19. Everybody shout, this good. I know it is. John 20, 19, on the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked, for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and paid and said, peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Now, where are you going with this, Pastor McGee? I want to show you this, this process, how to get to a place of no doubt in your heart. Because, because some of you guys, your faith is, emo, is emotion-based. If I feel like it, then it must be real. You, you, don't, you don't understand, you don't understand. So, so chat this morning, I don't feel like preaching. Real talk. But it ain't about my feelings, it's about what I know. I'm anointed to do this. So whether I feel like it or not, I'm still finna flow and y'all gonna be blessed. Every time I pray for somebody, I don't feel like God's going to move. But it ain't about my feeling. It's about I'm activating on, I'm stepping out on what he said. If I lay hands on the sick, the sick shall. So how do you get to this place, Pastor McGee, where although the external environment looks contrary to what God says, and even my internal feelings don't necessarily line up with what he said. How do I get to this place? I'm getting ready to show you. Verse number 24. Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, look at Thomas's confession, unless I see the nail marks in his hand and put my finger where the nails were, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. I'm challenging you today that your faith is a matter of your own will. He didn't say, I couldn't believe. He says, I'm making a choice in my own heart that I will not believe. Faith is a matter of your will. So how do I adjust that? Some of you all need to adjust the parameters of your faith because Thomas's parameters were when I put my finger in the side, when I see the holes, when he comes through the door, then I'll believe. How about believing without even seeing any of that? So look what happened, verse number 26. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. 
though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here. See my hand. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting. and Everybody shout, stop doubting and believe. Look at your neighbor. Say, neighbor, stop doubting and believe. So, so Jesus is challenging Thomas to get rid of his doubt. How do you get rid of your doubt? When you choose to believe God based on his word alone. So he says, verse number 28, Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. Jesus told him, because you have, because you got the doctor's report, you believe. Because what your lawyer told you, you believe. Because what the bank told you, what the real estate agent told you, now you believe. Jesus says, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have, watch this, no sense rim evidence and yet have believed. I'm not waiting to rejoice for the manifestation of the promise. I'm rejoicing already because I be everybody shout, I believe. I believe. I believe. How do I cast out dark, doubt in my heart? It's two things that Jesus highlighted. The first one, you have to exercise your will to believe. You have to choose to believe despite sense room evidence. There's something else that Jesus is going to highlight that we overlook when it comes to faith. I'm going to reread Mark 11:22. 22. The Bible declares, have faith in God. Jesus answered, truly, I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in their heart, does not doubt, does not doubt in their heart, but believes that what they say will happen, it will be done for them. 24, therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. Now watch 25. And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, do what, y'all? Okay. Okay. I'll come back to that. Let's look at Psalms 37 and 3. Psalms 37 and 3 says, trust in the Lord and do good. Have faith, in essence, and you'll dwell in the land and enjoy safe pastures. Have faith again. Here it is. Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Five says, commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him, and God's going to what, y'all? He will do this. Here's the caveat. I want you to have faith. I want you to trust me. But I also want you, verse number seven, be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret when people succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes. Refrain from anger and turn from wrath. Do not fret. It leads only to evil. I'm telling you today that unforgiveness, it eats at your faith. It eats at your faith. How, how does it eat at my faith? Because in essence, when you have bitterness in your heart, you're saying in your heart that they are, that they are watch this, that God cannot transform their lives. So I bend my heart in a bitter way towards them, not just because what they done, what they did, but because what I believe they can never become. Now, what you fail to realize, a little leaven leavens the entire lump. So the same doubt that you create in your heart concerning them, you also reflect it on yourself as well. Because if you ever do anything like that or close to that, the same bitterness that you have towards them, you have it towards your own self. 
So Jesus says, for this impossible thing that I want to accomplish in your life, I want you to believe with no doubt in your heart. In essence, I want you to, I want you to uh, 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 change the parameters of your willingness to believe. Stop looking at sense realm evidence and just take me at my word. That's the first thing. Here's the second thing. There is bitterness and unforgiveness in your heart towards other people that's eating away at your faith in me. Hmm. So in our foundational text, man, I looked at Joseph. I looked at Joseph, Genesis 37 and 5, where the Bible declares that God gave him a dream. God gave him a dream. God gave him a dream. In essence, God gave him desire. God gave him desire. Now, in order for this desire to be fulfilled, it ain't just going to come to pass just because God gave you the dream. I need y'all to hear that. It's just not going to come. And I know we've been taught that, that the will of God is just automatic. If God wanted it, it's just going to happen. No. The Bible declares that it's God's will that all men be saved. It's his will, Timothy wrote, that all men to be saved. But we know everybody going to be saved. Why? Because everybody won't participate with what God, the criteria that God set. So God's desire for you is to do great things in your life through you and in you and for you because of you. Isn't that a bl- Let me pause there for a second. Do you know your kids get blessed because of you? Coworkers get blessed because of you. Recession hit everybody else but your job because of you. Are y'all with me in this place? So it's my will to do that, but I'm not just, my will is not just automatic. It requires your participation, and I want you to believe. Have the type of faith where there is no, everybody shout no doubt. No doubt in your heart, but also there's something that you're doing, you're entertaining, that's eating at the faith that you need in order for the manifestation to occur. You got some potential bitterness and unforgiveness in your heart. God gives this young boy a dream that one day he's going to be a ruler and everybody is bowing down to him. Now, we know that this is going to come to pass, but what's crazy is all the impossibilities that are thrown at him in order for this not to come to pass. The first thing, he has no motherly support. His mother is dead. She is gone on. So mother is no longer there to cheerlead you. God gives you a dream and your own daddy hears your dream and he says it's foolishness. You have no parental support at all. Well, maybe my brothers and my sisters, they'll encourage me. No, your brothers actually hate you because of your dream. They sell you into slavery to get rid of you. They wanted to kill you, but they just sell you into slavery. Get into slavery and and you get lied on in slavery. You go to jail, no fault of your own. And you help somebody in jail that can report to the king to get you out of here, and they forget about you. What's crazy about Joseph? Mother wasn't there, but he still believed God. Father didn't believe in him, but he still believed God. Brothers hated him, but he still believed God. Lied on, still believed God. Went to jail, still believed God. Forgot about in jail, still believed God. Now, what's your problem? Tell me why you about to quit. Tell me why you about to give up, throw in the towel, say it is what it is. This boy has went through all of this, and in the midst of all of his adversities, he stood and said, I believe God. What he put in my heart is not of me, it's of God, and I'm going to participate with the will of God and believe with no doubt in my heart, despite the external environment that's totally contrary to what he said. It's coming a day when you're going to bow down. So Joseph meets the first criteria. 
He believes God despite sense realm evidence. And I just, let me just hang there for a second and I promise you I'm going to move. Some of y'all need to learn how to just close your eyes and stop up your ears to any voice and any picture that's contrary to what God has been telling you to do. I was reading a story years ago about the brother that broke the six-minute mile. It's a guy, he broke the six-minute mile. Every athlete had been trying to do it. Everybody had been trying to do it. Nobody could do it. This one guy learned a particular shuffle to keep running, not to wear out his knees so he wouldn't have to stop as much. And he broke, watch this, six-minute mile. He was the first. After he broke the mile the next year, every athlete that was in competition, six mile was the standard. Everybody broke it. What are you trying to say? When somebody saw that it was possible, they raised their standard of belief to say, if it's possible for him, then it must be possible for me. So so, let 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 me break that up. Let me break that up. Their criteria was, because had nobody done it yet, then I can't do it. But as soon as they saw somebody else do it, they said, well, maybe I can do it too, and they achieved it. When is the believer going to just step out on God's word and say, I don't care whether nobody's done it or not? I don't care if anybody's graduated from college in my family or not. I don't care if anybody in my family is a millionaire or not. I don't care if anybody in in my house is delivered or not. What I do know is if God says, I can have it, are y'all with me in this place? So Joseph, he, he passed the first test of just simply believing God. Here's the second test. When you confronted with these brothers again, the ones that sold you into slavery, that hated you, that ripped you apart from your family, what do you do when you confront them face to face? Do you hate them? Do you punish them for what they did and for what they said? This is what the scripture declares, Genesis 45 and 4. Beautiful story. I encourage you to go back and read it, 37 through 45. Then Joseph said to his brothers, come close to me, after he reveals himself. When they had done so, he said, I am your brother Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves. For selling me here because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. Six declares, for two years now there has been famine in the land, and for the next five years there will be no plowing or reaping. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So then, it was not you who sent me here. Look at your neighbors and neighbor, what's your perspective? I just want to know what's your perspective? Some of y'all are blaming people that God allowed, blaming people for doing things that God allowed because he knew how this was going to set you up. Watch this to turn around to be a blessing to them. Verse number eight, so then it was not you who sent me here, but everybody shout, but God. But God, he made me father to Pharaoh, Lord of his entire household and ruler of all Egypt. So... God's dealing with me. God's dealing with me. God's dealing with me. Um, uh, man, I'm just seeing a lot of what God wants to do. I'm, I'm numbering my days. 44 years old. 
My wife already don't set my retirement. That ain't fair. She don't set my retirement. She said, 60, we gone. I said, for real? Can I at least preach to 65? All right, 65, then we traveling. So board members, y'all go ahead and start looking for y'all new pastor. <laughs> I want to start the search committee because uh, when you 60, oh, Lord. The time frame just got moved up a little bit, so y'all. Because <laughs> she ain't far from 60. <laughs> <laughs> you know I love you, girl. <laughs> I lost my thought. <laughs> Let me go back. Just lift your hands and bless them all over this building. <laughs> oh, for real, what was I saying? What was I talking about? Something about faith, wasn't it? <laughs> How do you see it? How, how, do you see, how do you see the letdown? How, how do you see the disappointment? How do you see the betrayal? I'm, I'm trying to help you to forgive. Because all you can see is what they did to you, but you can't see how God worked it together for your good. Never forget when I was in college, I was working at the um, in the admissions office, and um, all the other students were slacking and slacking. So I decided to slack like they slack. And uh, but the problem was I was a new guy. <laughs> so all the old heads, you know, they slacking, come in when they want to come in, so forth, so on. So I saw this was culture. I started doing it. But unlike the older folk, they started talking about me, dogging me behind my back. Had this one brother, and it hurt my feelings. Because I'm like, I ain't doing nothing that they ain't doing. This brother came to me, he pulled me to the side, and he said, hey, Greg, hey, I, I need to talk to you. Look at man. They talking about you bad in this place. They say you coming in late, you leave early, you don't do certain tasks, you do this, you, you, you be MIA, you say you going here, you go there. And I'm thinking to myself, everything you saying I do, they, and he looked at me, he said, don't worry about them, you worry about you. So that hurt my little feelings. But you know what I did? I came back, starting the next day. And man, I was up on my game. I, I made it a point to be on time. Made it a point to stay the entire time. Made it a point to keep myself busy and productive the entire time I was at work. So when everybody else was, was just goofing off or whatever, I was still stuffing envelopes, still writing out letters. Still straightening up things around the office. When everybody, oh, Greg, you just chill out. No, I can't chill out. I can't chill out. But he come back to me about three, four weeks later. He said, man, such and such came to me, and she said, she don't know what got into you, bro. She don't know what got into you. She said, you like a totally different person. Now, I reflect back on that and how it hurt my feeling that they were talking about me. Talking about me for doing the same thing that they were doing. But I also see what God did because that work ethic that I had, but I was just slipping because everybody else was slipping. It built in me a mindset not to do what other folk are doing, do what you know to do. 
So what are, he, look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, which one you going to focus on? You, you going to, watch this, you going to focus on what they did to you, or you going to focus on what God did in you to prepare you to the next level? I chose to focus on what God, what he did on the inside of me. I can look past my, I can look at my past and I can see all type of dirty things. I'm talking about underhanded, crooked things that folks did towards me. And I ain't walking around like I'm, you know, being gullible or nothing like that. But it's been some folks that's done some crazy things to me. So, Greg, are you going to focus on what they did or are you going to focus on what God, even right now, even right now, certain craziness that some folks are doing, you going to focus on what they're doing or are you going to go ahead and ask God what you up to? Because your word says you work all things together for my good. So I'm excited. If they're going to do something this crazy, I can't wait to see how you're going to work this thing for my good. And am I, am I helping anybody in this place? Everybody shout, that's good. But this is what I really want to focus on. Yeah. So, so in order for me to have this faith that, that doesn't doubt, um, I have to have the type of faith that considers not the external environment. That's number one. And then number two, I got to, I got to forgive. I got to forgive. Genesis 45, 4. Then Joseph said to his brothers, come close to me. When they had done so, he said, I am your brother, Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. So we know that he's going to forgive them. But look at what he challenges them with in verse number five. And now do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here. Here's what God ministered to me. Some of y'all, it's not that you're bitter towards other people. It's not that you hold grudge towards other people. It's not that you have unforgiveness in your heart towards others. For some of you all, it's hard for you to forgive yourself. You're holding your own self in hostage, in bondage. And you, 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 some of y'all, thank you, some of y'all punish yourself. You punish yourself. I learned when I was volunteering in the school, dealing with the young ladies that was cutting themselves, were cutting themselves. They were actually angry at themselves. Why did you get satisfaction out of cutting yourself? That hurts. But no, it was something twisted in their minds. They were so disappointed at their lives. They couldn't forgive themselves, so they had to punish them on themselves. Some of y'all are punishing yourselves away from the presence of God. You won't even talk to God. And you know your life is continuing to spiral down. You're so mad at yourself. You're so upset with yourself. You're so disappointed in yourself. I can't believe I said it. I can't believe I did it. Some of you all are saying, I can't believe I did it again. And God is saying today, when are you going to release yourself? How are you going to hold yourself for something I've forgiven you for? How are you going to continue to hold yourself hostage, put your own self in handcuffs for something I'm not even holding over your head? God says today, I want you to forgive yourself. And it's interesting. For many of us, it's easy for us to forgive other people, and I'm one of the ones. It's easy for me to forgive other people. I can do that because the perspective that I have concerning when folk do me dirty, 
Like, God really going to handle them, and while he's handling them, he's going to handle what they did and work it together for my good. That's my perspective. So my challenge is not when other folk fail. My challenge is when, when I fail. God says, I want to release you today. I want to release you. But I'm going to need you to release yourself. I'm going to have compassion on you. Today, I need you to have compassion on yourself. Today, I'm going to be merciful towards you. I need you to have some mercy on yourself. There's somebody that's even watching me online right now, and God is talking to you through this word. He's talking to you. And God is saying, release yourself. It's interesting when your biggest cheerleader becomes your biggest critic. The voice inside you that should be encouraging you, telling you, girl, you can do it. I don't care what they say. I don't care what they're doing. You can do it. It's the same voice that speaks to you and said, it ain't going to happen. Watch this. It ain't going to happen. God's still mad at me. It ain't going to happen. The reason it's happening to me is because of what I did, because of what I said. God says, I've been ready to let that go. Will you let yourself go?